0: Today our topic is going to be Hiding and God's Word. Let's go to Daniel chapter 10. In Daniel chapter 10, beginning in the 7th verse, it says, And I, Daniel, alone, saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone, and saw this great vision, and never remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned into me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees, and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. Below Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. Verse 7 told us, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. We can learn a lot from Daniel's experience here. The Lord spoke to Daniel, and he alone heard it, but those around him didn't hear it. Why would the Lord only speak to Daniel and not to the others? They definitely felt something. There was a great quaking that fell upon them. They knew that something out of the ordinary was taking place, but why wouldn't they hear God speaking too? Sometimes God speaks to us, and we see the same thing happen. We know we heard from him, we know he spoke to us, but the other people around us didn't seem to hear anything. Those we're closest to, even people of faith, didn't get a word or get the same word as us. So why is that? The first thing we need to look at is how God speaks to his people. 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 11 and 12 say, And he said, Go forth, and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, And a great and strong wind rent the mounds, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. God always speaks to us alone, one-on-one. Even if He tells a million people the same message, He speaks it to each of us on an individual level. When it comes to hearing God speaking, We see a lot of people do what we see happening here in Elijah's day. People look for God to speak in an outward way, in a way that's out in the open, a way everyone can hear, a way no one would be able to miss. But then when he doesn't speak that way, they feel like he didn't or never speaks. They feel like something's wrong with them in their spiritual hearing. They think that God has gone silent, but this isn't the case at all. Everyone gets caught up on listening to everything and everyone around them they get caught up waiting for a word to come from a traveling evangelist. Not that it never happens that way, it definitely does. But if we only wait for that, without hearing him for ourselves, we'll be sadly disappointed, and we'll miss out on a lot of what God is speaking to us right now. So what's the issue here? Why can't we hear God speaking externally? The reason is because he's not outside of us. He dwells within us. We know that if we're born again, we have the Spirit of God dwelling within our spirit. So why would we be looking for him to speak outside when he's inside? Why would we be looking outwardly when he's inward? Why search externally when he speaks internally? It doesn't make any sense. The real problem, at the fundamental level, is that we're trying to listen in the natural. We're trying to hear him using the natural senses, our natural ears. But we make a great mistake when we do this, because we have to remember that God isn't a natural being. He's supernatural. He's outside of nature so we won't hear him if we're listening using natural means. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 22 says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. It said ear singular, not plural. It's referring to the ear and the Spirit. It's through this ear, through our spiritual sense of hearing, that we hear his voice. We find something very interesting in what happened to those who didn't hear the word of God but did feel something. We find this to be a common theme in both of the passages that we looked at. When dealing with Elijah, there was wind, earthquake, and fire. Those are things you can't possibly not feel. They're empirical. They're observable. They're natural. But they're not supernatural. The same is true with Daniel. It says that there was a great quaking, and they went and hid themselves. This is the natural carnal instinct of men on full display. When God speaks, their inclination isn't to obey, which we know from the root of the word in the Hebrew means to go towards His voice. Their instinct is to run away, to run fervor from it, to put some distance between them and God and hide themselves. To the carnal mind, this may seem like a good plan, but nothing could be more foolish. God is the only one we can never hide anything from. Their mindset is like Isaiah 26 and 20, which says, Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed by. They want to ride out what they think is a storm. They want to let the wind, the earthquake, the fire rage and take their course while they hide out in their comfort zone, exactly where the carnal mind wants them. But as much as they think that'll work, it'll never suffice. There's no way that you can get outside of God's reach. Jeremiah 23 and 24 says, Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? The Lord is everywhere ever present at all places and at all times. There's no way to escape his gaze or his reach. Knowing this, there's no incentive to try to hide. Why hide what can't be hidden? Luke 8 and 17 tells us, For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Hiding is an option of man's fallen mind, but hiding just postpones and delays the inevitable, making it that much more difficult further down the line. But why is it that they want to hide in the first place? Where does that instinct come from? The word for quaking, used in Daniel 10 and 7 in the Greek, means dread, fear, anxiety, trembling. This is what makes them want to hide. But why do they feel fear? What type of fear is this? This is the same word for fear that's used in Proverbs 29 and 25, which says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. It's natural fear. It's not God we fear. We can tell by the result. The fear of the Lord brings you closer to Him, while the fear of man pushes you further from the Lord. Saul indulged in the fear of man, and the same thing that happened to him is the exact same thing that happens to everyone who hides from the Lord's word and His presence. 1 Samuel 15 and 24 tells us, And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. The key here is that he feared the people, not God. God had spoken too. He made his word very clear to Saul, but he instead gave in to his instinctual fear of man. He used his natural ears and listened to the people, not listening to God. The word obeyed here means to listen attentively, listen intelligently, to carefully consider. This is what he should have been doing with God's word, but his mistake, the mistake that we all make so many times too is that he was listening, but listening in the wrong place, listening outwardly to what he could see and perceive in the natural. He wasn't listening inwardly to what God was saying in his spirit. He should have been using his spiritual ear, being attentive, listening intelligently, and carefully considering God's commands. That's what led to his failure to obey, which we know was also a failure to go towards his voice, which implies that what he was really doing here was the same as what we saw those around Daniel do, He went away from God's voice. He ran and he hid himself. Saul attempted to hide himself amongst popular opinion, amongst the crowd, and amongst the approval of others. But just like always, it didn't work, because this was something God couldn't look past. As the king and representative of his chosen people, obedience was mandatory in all situations. And we see the real problem with it two verses later. Verse 26 tells us, And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. That's a sad statement. He rejected the word of the Lord. He rebelled against God's command. That's what this leads to, invariably, in all cases, whether intentionally or unintentionally, whether explicitly or implicitly, and it's just as harmful and just as dangerous in either case. The effect of rejection and rebellion is the creation of a needless separation between ourselves and God's will, a separation that we bring about ourselves. Rebellion is a serious thing. First Samuel fifteen twenty three says, For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. That's a serious charge, witchcraft. What would make it so similar to that? The worst part of witchcraft is that when people partake in that, they're actively attempting to work against God and His will and His purposes. They're trying to subvert His authority, placing themselves and their will above His. Rebellion does the same thing. Maybe it's not as explicit as witchcraft, but the heart of the matter is really the same. When we rebel against God, we may not be actively and consciously trying to work against Him, but if we're not doing His will, not working with Him, then in reality, we're working against Him. Attempting to delay, prevent, or postpone his will from being done. This allows our carnal mind and our carnal will to try to assert itself above God's. And that's where the worst part of this shows itself. This is why obedience isn't an optional type of thing. This is why it's mandatory. It's either obedience or rebellion. There's no in-between. Half-hearted, incomplete obedience isn't obedience at all, no matter how much we may try to convince ourselves that it is. We can't let that be us. We can't allow ourselves to indulge in rebellion at any level. We can't let our carnal mind and will have the upper hand. We need to keep our carnality, our old nature, under subjection to His will, allowing His mind to become our mind, and His way of acting to become our way of acting. It falls on us to make the choice to obey, and to do so fully. No one else can make that choice for us. We have to make it for ourselves. Like Daniel, when he was left all alone, there was no one else to fall back on for support. He had to have his mind made up that he was going to obey, and he did, which is why his life was so vastly different than all those around him. While they ran and hid from God, he ran towards God. We don't want to reject God's word. We want to keep it at all costs. We want to obey. We want to go towards his voice. We want to draw nigh to him. But what happens when we feel like Daniel did? In Daniel 10 and 8, it said, Therefore, I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me. For my comeliness was turned into me into corruption, and I retained no strength. When the others ran and hid at the voice of the Lord, Daniel stood, ready to fall and obey his commands, and this left him all alone. Sometimes we find ourselves in similar circumstances. Maybe the Lord spoke to us, and none of our family seems to understand or care. Maybe our friends ridicule and mock us. Maybe those around us just can't seem to understand. Sometimes, just like Jacob, we have to wrestle and fight the battle alone. Sometimes, like Joseph, our brothers and those that we love will turn on us and hate us. Sometimes, besides God, there is no one who will fight alongside you, and we have to be ready and prepared for those times. So what specifically do we do during those times? The first thing that we need to remember is that when God gives us a word, we have to expect that the vast majority of people won't appreciate it or understand it for what it is people often never take a word from God to be credible unless it was given to them specifically. We should never just blindly trust and believe people when they say that they've heard from God. We have to use our discernment, and we have to first make sure that what they're saying aligns with what we know to be true from the scripture. But we shouldn't be so closed off to receiving a word from others that we never take the word that God's offering. Paul told us something very important as it relates to this in Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 to 16. He said, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by his grace, to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. This is what causes so many problems in the church today. The Lord speaks to people individually, and then when they tell others what the Lord tells them, it creates all type of issues, like envy, jealousy, gossiping, doubt, ridicule, discouragement, and many other similar types of things. If we talk to others about the words that God spoke to us, about what he called us to do, there will be people who don't have our best interests at heart, who try to derail it, or if not to that extent, will try to discourage us or diminish what God said. Most of the time, people get jealous or envious that they didn't receive that word themselves. Maybe they feel it would have been better if they had, or maybe they feel that they're better equipped to follow that specific calling. So immediately, that envy manifests in the form of creating doubt and discouragement not edifying and building the other person up, but attempting to tear them down and dishearten them. The danger here is clear, which is why it's so important to follow Paul's example. When we know that we heard from God himself, the God of the universe dwelling within us, there's really no reason to have to confer with natural man. If he gave us the call, that's the call. Natural man can't change or reshape it. So if we don't confer with flesh and blood, if we don't tell others what God told us, what do we do with that word? Let's go to Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in the 13th verse, it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord had made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things, and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. Mary did hear what Paul did when she heard the word of God, She didn't confer with flesh and blood. Verse 17 said, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Even when the word was being made known abroad, even when the temptation to discuss it was there in the natural, that's not what Mary did. She did the opposite. She kept it to herself. Verse 19 said, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary hid the word that she heard in her heart. She didn't let the things outside of her, the people around her, the circumstances, the situation, dictate how she responded to the word. She didn't let the external factors control what's designed and meant to be internal. She didn't let the natural attempt to subvert and take preeminence over the supernatural, which is another reason why we shouldn't confer with flesh and blood. Sometimes God does give us a word that's meant to be spread abroad. That's definitely true. And those words and those moments can be great for the building up of people's faith and for the uplifting of the church. But when God speaks to us individually about something that affects us individually, something that he's called us specifically to do, it's best that we do what Mary did, that we allow the supernatural to remain unstained and unspotted from natural influences. And the way that we do that is by hiding his word in our heart, which reveals something even deeper about this. This is the opposite of what we saw before. While those around Daniel ran and hid at the voice of God, we instead hide his word in our heart. We draw nearer to him and do his voice. We show our willingness to actively listen and obey his commands. Mary's not the only one we find who did this either. The writer of Psalm 119 said in verse 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. The word heart here is the same word in the Hebrew used for spirit. We keep his word in our spirit because that's where he speaks it to us. We keep it inwardly because he speaks it inwardly. When we take that word that was specifically given to us to keep and to cherish and bring it outward, we expose it to the influence of the will of man, the carnal, fallen human nature, which will only serve to take away from what was said. It will never add to it. So why would we do that? Our job, just like Mary, is to hide his word in our heart and then make a conscious decision to not confer with flesh and blood. Our hiding is different than the type of hiding that those in the world are looking to do. They're trying to escape, while our hiding is meant to embrace. When we hide His Word in our spirit, we embrace everything that He told us. We take it to heart. We claim it as our own, as a promise that He made to us. We claim it as a calling that He's willed for us. We take it for all that it's worth. And the main reason that we're now free to do this is because we're not only hiding His Word in our heart, we ourselves are also hiding in Him. Psalm 27 and 5 tells us, For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, and the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. This is what he does for us. He hides us within himself. He hides us from the trouble that arises from a fallen sinful world. He's always our place of refuge. It's always in him that we find perfect peace, perfect security, and perfect safety. We need to make the choice today to hide within him, and not to do what the others do and hide somewhere else, trying to escape from God. Psalm 17 and 8 says, Keep me as the apple of the eye, hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Psalm 32 and 7 says, Thou art my hiding place, thou shalt preserve me from trouble, thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance, Selah. And Psalm 119 and 114 tells us, Thou art my hiding place and my shield, I hope in thy word. We need to make these our words today. We need to not just read these words, but to speak them. Speak them to God in our hearts and call out to him to hide us in his shadow. We may, like Daniel, have to go through times of hearing from God alone and being alone, and that's okay. That's a part of life, especially when living in a fallen world. That shouldn't come as any surprise to us. But sometimes, it's that alone time that can make all the difference in our life. We can take that time and talk to God, take it to learn of him, take it to prepare ourselves for what he's called us to do just like Paul prepared alone in the deserts of Arabia for three years before he began his ministry. Even if all those around us run and hide, and we're left all alone, we're never truly alone. We serve a God who has promised to never leave and never forsake us. When we take a stand and say that we're going to listen for His Word, obey it in full, and hide His Word in our heart, we'll be amazed at how the Lord allows that seed of His Word to grow and flourish within us, manifesting on the surface and going on to bear fruit of its own to the honor and glory of God. Let's close in prayer. Lord, today we thank you for your word and we thank you that you're always speaking to your servants. Lord, we ask that you make us sensitive to your spirit speaking within us and that you give us the wisdom to be able to discern properly your voice when you speak. Lord, we thank you that today we're free to not have to confer with flesh and blood, that we're free to not have to listen in vain in the natural, We thank you that we're free to take that word that you spoke to us within our spirit and to leave it there and to hide it in our spirit, to leave it unspotted and unstained from all those influences in the natural that try to diminish and destroy it. Lord, today we claim your word for all that it's worth. We claim it for all its value, all its potential, and we claim it as our own, a word that you specifically gave to us. And Lord, although we may have to wrestle and fight the battle alone, just like Jacob did, and although like Joseph, people may turn on us and hate us for having a word from you, we thank you that that seed of that word that you've implanted planted within our heart will never stop growing. No demon in hell and no person who has evil intentions against us can ever stop it. And we thank you that it's going to grow and flourish in our heart, that it's going to manifest on the surface of our life. And we thank you that that's going to be a force for good, to draw others to you, and where we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to hide his word in your heart and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. If you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.